Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Uh, my name is Bryant. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Brooklyn, and as Janice has mentioned, as Yuri and came up to read the passage, today is the start of Advent season, um, and so we're excited to kind of kick off um, our series on Advent and this eager expectation of the birth of Jesus Christ. And so it is the first su- uh, December or, or first Sunday in December. And I know today kind of has this bleaky, kind of gloomy weather to the start, but um, it kind of fits a little bit appropriately of what we're gonna, how we're going to launch off our series today. And I'm really excited to actually preach this message because I think um, this is the first time in a while, you know, after you... I've been, you know, if you're a pastor for a while, you end up preaching kind of on Advent over and over and over again. <laughs> um, there's a, you have a kind of like a list of your Advent sermon series or your Easter sermon series. Um, but something this year kind of felt a little bit different, um, felt a little bit unique in a way where I think God has been really tr- trying to press something on, on my heart, but also for us as a church of how do we corporately enter into the season of Advent as um, one body, as one community. And so um, it begins with the question, what is Advent? Um, and if you, as Sharon mentioned, if you check your emails, um, the team put together like this amazing devotional um, that you're going to kind of have every week in your emails. You get to kind of just track through the week scriptures, prayers, um, some content devotionals on helping us to really grasp and to take hold of the season of Advent together. And so... Um, and one of the writers for this, um, Tish Warren, who's an Anglican priest, um, she wrote a beautiful book on, on this Advent season and liturgy. Uh, and liturgy and um, she says, the word Advent derives from the Latin Adventus, which means coming. The liturgical season of Advent is a time in which we prepare for and look forward to the coming of Christ. And that's kind of like the baseline understanding explanation of what is Advent. Uh, but she kind of, she unpacks a little bit more in other places where she talks about that it's a paradoxical season. Um, it's a very, it, it's, a, it's a season that holds a lot of tension. It's a season that holds a lot of, um, sometimes even confusion. Because uh, many of us, we see, you know, as the, as the holiday lights go up, all the shelves start changing to seasonal drinks, Starbucks, Red Cups, like all this stuff. Like you, you feel this holiday joy coming around. But then we're also contending in this tension of, but do I experience joy? It's almost as if the world is shouting, be happy, be joyful, be glad, be merry. And internally we're like, there's a lot of stuff going on in my life right now that seems chaotic. Or maybe this is a season of the holiday blues. Maybe this season is marked with trauma, tragedy, whether family, friends, our personal lives. Maybe it's a season marked with loneliness and anxiety. Um, for families, it might be a season of stress of buying kids for, um, toys for, pa- for kids that maybe you can't afford. Um, I know that was like the story of my family, and growing up now, I kind of learned that tension that my mom held, right? Like, I was like the kid that wanted everything, didn't think there was anything financially different than my family, than the other families around me. I'm like, well, my friends across the street have this, so why can't I have it? Not understanding as a single mother household, it's a very different project and task to be able to provide those types of gifts. And so this season, is there's a mixed bag of feelings. And I want to take this time to unpack, because she talks about this um, season, this Advent season, as a time to use it as a, as a tool that we could use as a reminder 
Um, sometimes we need our alarm clocks. I know some of us, um, I don't know how you do it, but you have like 20 snoozes on. Um, it's just like every five minutes. Um, Christy's not here today, but she's, that's, I, I, I just stare at her waking up and going back to sleep all morning. Um, and so maybe some of us, we, we need those reminders or uh, we have, you know, timers on and maybe significant parts of our season, mile markers that kind of indicate where we are. Um, lately, I don't know what day of the week it is most of the times. Um, I only know it by the uh, sports schedule. Um, I know it's Monday night because it's Monday night football. And then, oh, we reached Thursday because it's Thursday night football. Okay, so like I use the sports calendar as kind of like my, season, my daily tracking. Um, in the same way, it, this season kind of forces us to enter into this time of just waiting and remembering. Because for most of us as New Yorkers, waiting is not our forte. Um, like, the most painful thing is looking at what, how much time you have to wait for your train to come, right? And even if you're not, even, even if you're not in a rush or in a hurry, that thing is the most painful thing when you see double digits, right? You want to see one minute, <laughs> maybe two. The moment you see 11, you're like, oh, I might as well start walking now, right? Like, it's just kind of like that tension. Um, and so waiting is not really, like, something we're eager to. Like, I don't think any of us go to a place like, I can't wait to just wait online, okay? I can't wait to just wait, it's not a thing that we're kind of accustomed to, but this season forces us, as Advent season begins, we're waiting. We're waiting for this paradoxical moment of Christ coming. And we do this with eager expectation. And we begin by starting in darkness. And so, I don't know, maybe some of our intentions here, we came like, man, Advent season is going to be Christmas joy, holiday, Christ is coming. Um, my sermon, as I was preparing this, Ironically, in the dark, because um, <laughs> as the baby was sleeping, um, I, I, it just kind of gave me this reminder um, of this tension of just brokenness and disorientation, but also having this eager expectation of hope and joy. It's this movement, it's this dance of going from darkness to light. And I actually want to start off with Psalm 88, um, because Psalm 88 is recognized as like the saddest psalm. Okay, it's meant to be a song, so just think of you like your saddest songwriters. Like, I don't know if you guys ever had that playlist. Sometimes you're just in that mood, right? You just want to listen to a bunch of sad songs. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you never listen to any Korean music, there's like a whole beautiful playlist of sad songs. Okay, like they make it seem just so, like you're just hearing, I don't, like, I don't my Korean's not that good. So half the time, like, I don't even know what they're saying, but I'm like, it just moves me, right? Like, it's just kind of a thing that we get into. But anyway, Psalm 88 is actually recognized as one of the saddest psalms. Um, and it's a song. It's, it's, it's sad because there's almost no hope in this entire psalm. Um, and it's a long one, so I'm going to let you read it on your own time when you feel darkness coming over. But just starting with verse 88, 18, the last passage, it ends with this. The psalmist writes, you have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Man, how many times do we use that line in a week? <laughs> you have taken everything from me. And darkness is my closest friend. How many times we enter into a season or a point or a place in our life where we feel the darkness being overwhelming? Where we feel this kind of this emptiness, this void, or this hopelessness? That we're stuck in this cycle and we don't know how to get out. Maybe the loneliness, the anxiety, and the trauma, it just seems like this heavy, heavy weight and this burden to bear. And we get to a place where the psalmist writes, I know a little bit dramatic, but darkness is my closest friend. And let me just read you a couple of excerpts. Um, 
In verse 3, he says, I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. I'm like, man, the audacity to pray that to God. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a boldness and, and this courage to be able to take these prayers. And throughout the entire psalm, one thing you recognize is he's never, never discrediting God. He's just telling the story of his life, the despair and affliction. And he's, 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 just, he's just kind of laying it out before God. And a pastor um, who writes a lot of blogs, Bert Daniels, writes, There are times when our lives can seem so dark that for us to simply keep on praying is a testimony to God's grace in our lives. I don't know if you've ever been there, where sometimes darkness just feels so overwhelming that we just feel hopeless to even look to God or to utter any prayers to God. And in those moments, maybe it's a song of worship that comes over our, our souls that we begin to sing. Maybe it's a word or two, a verse or two. I want us to recognize that in that pit of darkness, that is a beautiful, beautiful testimony of grace in our life. See, I want us to spend time in the darkness because without the darkness, we cannot experience the authentic picture and experience of joy. Without the darkness, joy is just a happy feeling. But for us to understand the darkness means to truly understand the joy that Jesus brings when he steps into that darkness. Darkness will always exist. There will be never be a day, a second, a moment in this world where, where darkness will vanish. Maybe it will vanish in this place, in this moment, but darkness still exists somewhere else. That's why we can always constantly go down this rabbit hole of looking for tragedy and tragedy and tragedy because it will always be found. Why do you think the news cycle is still in business? <laughs> There's never a day where someone goes on a news broadcast but like, well, today was a good day. We don't got any content for you. Every day there is something being reported of brokenness, of tragedy, of devastation. Darkness will always exist. And the terrible thing is darkness can be paralyzing. It could be disorienting. When we're in that place of just, maybe this is a challenge of just getting out of bed. As we wake up in the morning and we just feel hopeless. I'm like, what am I looking forward to? Is there anything for me to have any eager expect expectations for? Does anybody care? Maybe it's the experience of walking through these streets of festivity and lights and just feel despair. Maybe we look back on things in our life of mistakes and regrets and we just feel this darkness. Maybe we're staring down the barrel of our addictions and destructive behaviors and we feel like there's no hope, no way out, no recovery, no freedom. It becomes paralyzing, it's disorienting, it's confusing. Why does this happen to me? Why does it still happen? Why is there death, murder, war? Why is there corruption? Why are there scams? Why are people taking advantage of others? Why are people so selfish? We look at this world and we just see this darkness and we see this void and it's just so confusing. But like, God, I'm reading the scriptures and you said all that you created was good, but yet all I see is evil. Sometimes we feel like the psalmist. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? 
Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Or your righteous deeds in the land of the oblivion? Say, God, are you in this darkness? Where are you? But I want us to acknowledge the brokenness and the, the, the scene and the scenario of darkness because we have to be honest about it. And I think that's one of the things that during the holiday season, and no, I'm not just saying this because I'm like the holiday Grinch. Um, this, this is the reality of it. Like this season forces us into this place of joy. All the movies, all the holiday movies always end up with a good story in the end. There's, this, there's a Christmas miracle. All the nostalgia comes up, right? And we're like, man, maybe the holidays were good. Maybe they were seasons of joy and happiness. But unfortunately, so much of this forces us into the place to like, experience the light, experience the joy. And we're never honest about the darkness that we struggle with. Maybe even to one another. If you're in part of a table, maybe we share the surface level of the darkness. Maybe the one area that's kind of dim, but not that dark. Maybe we kind of share like the, the, the outer lining of it. Like, okay, well, I'm struggling with this. Or I'm having a hard time processing this. But how many times do we allow one another to enter into the pit of darkness? How honest are we about it ourselves? No, this is not an addiction. I can stop whenever I want. Oh, this is a habit. It's just for a while now. It's just a binge. The loneliness will pass. I just got to find things to do. I just got to find people around me. The anxiety will subside if I just kind of do this, spend more time doing this and not focusing. No, we, we spend so much effort and energy to run away from the darkness, to cover up the darkness, and we're never honest about it. And if we're never honest about it, then we can never truly experience the freedom and liberation that Jesus brings when the light actually does come. Or we don't even have the courage to be able to ask God to bring light into that darkness because we're so, in, so much in denial of it. We're in so much denial of our pride. Everyone else is arrogant. I'm humble. Everyone else is greedy. I'm generous. Everyone else is corrupt. I'm kind. No, the reality is all those elements live, it, live within us. And the holiday season, we have this, it's, just, it's more prominent that we have this tendency to look outward, to see all the evil in the world and say, we're, we're good, though. I care about this. I care about that. And we prop ourselves up. Richard War, um, who directs the Center for Action and Contemplation, um, I mean, any of his writing and stuff is just, is just golden. Um, but in this Advent season, he, writes this, he, he wrote this one piece. He says, instead, we must wait and work with hope inside of darkness, while never doubting the light that God always is and that we are too. That is the narrow birth canal of God into the world, through the darkness and into an even greater light. He challenges in this writing to say, Lean into the darkness. Be present in it. Live within it. Be inside it. Because that's where the beauty of the gospel is found. It's in the darkness. Because there's always this one, um, my, one of my uh, professors in Bible college, in a sermon, he always says, but yet. That is like the turning point of the gospel. There is darkness, but yet there is hope. There is evil, but yet there is good. There is devastation, but yet there is restoration. He loves saying that, the joy of hope, but yet there is hope. And it's important to recognize where do we place our hope? Where do we place our hope? Because 
It's about living in darkness, but not living hopelessly. It's being present and in the midst of the darkness, but yet our anchor and our hope isn't something even greater. Where is our hope? And unfortunately, some of us, we've placed our hope partially in Jesus, but not fully. We allow Jesus to take hold of some areas of our darkness and some areas of life, and we kind of feel good about that. that gives, he gives that sliver of hope, right? When we pray, when we fast, when we come worship, when we gather for tables and corporate gatherings like this, it kind of is like a little bit of hope. But how many of us have gone completely all in saying, Jesus, you are the anchor of my hope, nothing else? Like some of us, we have really good, diverse portfolios of where we place our hope, Right, just a little bit in friendships here, a little bit in Jesus here, a little bit in this Netflix show over here, a little bit in this podcast over here. And this We've diversified the anchors of our hope. And the, the trouble with that is when darkness truly hits, like it hits in Psalm 88, most of those things won't stand. It will dissipate. It will evaporate. Because at the end of the day, those things cannot truly bring the light into the eternal darkness. In John 1, um, probably one of the most complex um, passages in Scripture that I spent way too many hours in Bible college trying to unpack and argue with others. Um, But in verse 4 to 5, it says that, In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, And I love this, and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness will never overcome the light of Jesus. The darkness will never go away, but it will never win either. That is the thing that we're eagerly waiting for. That as we sit in the darkness, there's this flicker, this candle, this flicker of hope. That no matter how dark the season can get, it will never be quenched. It's the light of Jesus entering into our life that Jesus speaks truth and freedom into all the areas that we feel these strongholds, this hopelessness, all the areas that we've tried to fill and just tried to uh, keep ourselves occupied with. Jesus is that hope. And this passage reminds us that Jesus will not fail us. So often our hope has been commercialized uh, we, have, we, have, we have entered this consumer mentality that if we purchase enough things, we can find hope. If, we find, if we're smart enough, we can find a solution to this and we can discover hope. If I have more influence, I can discover hope. If I have the right people around me, they'll bring me hope. If I have all the right products, it could give me hope. How many times do we fall into this story and this narrative? And as a big sports guy, one of the things that I hate seeing right now is actually how sports betting has absolutely consumed the platform for sports. Like you cannot watch a, a, a simple NBA game without somebody talking about the betting lines, the consumer lines, and I love how they're all commercialized, right? Win big. <laughs> Right, isn't, isn't, isn't that kind of the, the motto of the lotto? Like, it could be you. I'm like, it could be me, right? Why not me? It has to be somebody. 
And it's such a great, great advertisement to bring this hope to people who have just, just at, the, at the end of it. It's like, this is, I'm, just, I'm just going all in on this. And oddly enough, I've been, there's been more and more cases of coming out and conversations coming out of people struggling with gambling addiction and sports betting addiction and how it's ruined their lives. And they just can't stop. It's like any other addiction. And it's become so compulsive and it owns their life. And I remember listening to, um, I just listened to like a financial podcast and a caller came on. Um, I know I make myself seem like I'm like 50 years old, but I'm not. <laughs> I was listening to a financial podcast and a caller came on and I was like this young 20 year old just crying because he just felt this, the pit of darkness because he, doesn't, he could not figure out a way to stop. He's going through therapy, he's going to support groups, his family knows, everyone's supportive of it. But he's like, he kept asking, will this ever end? Will, will, this, will this pain ever stop? Will this addiction and this consumer, this, this monster that lives within, will it ever end? And he's like, I hate going to support groups sometimes because I sit there and then I hear someone saying, it's been 30 years, but it could be any day now. And he's like, what? And I remember just listening, I didn't expect it, but listening to the financial podcast, I just began to weep with this kid. Like, how, no one should ever feel like that. That the darkness is so overwhelming that there is no hope for deliverance. That there's no hope for healing. There's no hope for renewal and restoration. It is absolutely heartbreaking. And yet, we live in a world where everything becomes commercialized. And it's advertised to us that there is hope in all these different channels and avenues. And what do we do? We fall for it. And I, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. The temptation to buy into things that people are selling, that this is a, 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 a chance of hope, is a chance of freedom, a chance to get out of your, your, your struggles. Who wouldn't want to take it? You know, as, as a Christian, I'm so critical of like, all these like Christian infomercials. Um, and, I, and like, man, I went through this, this, this montage of like older Christian like evangelist selling stuff. It is wild, right? I'm like, there's no way there was a time that this was going on, right? <laughs> like they're selling just like, just like all kind of like just merchandise to say that is holy and consecrated. And if you just leave this in your home, it'll bring peace and ho I'm like, man, but at the fair price of $500, you know, like, I'm like, people bought into this and we're, we're so critical of it, especially for those of us who have been part of the church, experienced Christianity, experienced the, the fraudulent nature of people, of false prophets and false teachers. We look at that right away, we'll be like, that is a scam. Right away. But yet we look at the rest of the things that the world has to offer and we say, I want to buy it. We don't second guess it. And I remember one time just like, late night TV watching, those, in, those commercials of like, you know, it's gonna just jiggle your fat and you're gonna have a six pack. Man, that is by far the greatest advertisement ever. So I, I was this close, if I was 18 or older, I would've bought it. But you know, I remember watching it and I'm like, man, that cannot be real. But there's a part of me that was like, because I want that, I'm like, it could be real, right? I and mean, you always wonder, like, how do people get scammed on Instagram and all these people, influencers and these, you know, entrepreneurs, these fake entrepreneurs? Like, I was watching, it's like, if you don't make 10 million by the time, I'm like, oh, man, I'm a failure, right? Like, all these, and it's like, but if you just buy my coaching class, 
And I'm like, who buys this? And clearly people do because there's always that sliver of a chance. Maybe this can bring me out of the pit of darkness that I'm in. The way we market relationships, the way that we market friendships, the way that the world sells it to us, and yet after following the trend and the pattern, we end up in a deeper place of loneliness and brokenness. People are like, being free and living shallow is the way to live. Do whatever you want. No, but the reality is to build true, deep, authentic relationships and spending time and sacrificing. It is not a phone call. It is not an app. Where is our hope? Our hope can sometimes so often be found in the commercialized places of this world. My encouragement and my challenge to us, church, is just to go all in of Jesus. Let him be the anchor. Let his words be the soothing medicine for peace in our souls. May the Holy Spirit be the friendship that we desire to season of loneliness. May he be the one that we run to when we need healing and freedom. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I try to diversify my portfolio. <laughs> I heard it's good for you. I try, you know, different things, different avenues, because I, I fall for it too. And yet I always find myself in the same place, trying to running back to Jesus, saying, may you be the one that heals my soul. May you be the one that brings me light in the moments of darkness. See, this Advent season, embrace the darkness, because we're living in it. It's not going anywhere. It exists. No matter how many lights you see, Okay, even if you go to Diker Heights, and for those of you who have never gone, that thing is, forget Saks Fifth, like this is, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> All right? No matter how many lights you see, no matter how many gifts you see, no matter how many Christmas movies you see, which I'm convinced Die Hard is a Christmas movie, right? No matter how many of these holiday festivities you partake in, I don't want us to be disillusioned that that is the sense of joy. Hope Brooklyn, go all in of Jesus. Extend your hand to him. Let him be the one that carries us through the seasons of Psalm 88. Let him be the one that brings hope when all seem lost. It's been, it's been a heartbreaking journey hearing families. like I don't know if it's because now we have a kid of our own, a baby of our own, but couples coming and sharing their stories of miscarriages and infertility. Um, man. I thought, like, as a pastor for over 15 years, I've held the weight of many things. But sometimes I'm just, I'm just left speechless. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to counsel. I don't know how to console. And for some reason, God is just kind of having people come our way, sharing these stories. And I'm just learning in this season just to be faithful and to be present with them. And so how badly I just want to let them know that Jesus sees them, knows them, and loves them. I can't imagine. I really can't. After having Ellie, like, I just can't imagine. And Eliana, like, the, re the name for her was God has answered because he's answered such a beautiful prayer for us. But then knowing that we have this joy and yet so many families are in darkness this season, it breaks my heart. But I also know that God is present with them. See, in Psalm 88, it seems like hope is lost, but this person is praying to God.
He's writing a song of worship to God. He recognizes who God is, even in the darkness. Glenn McCarty, um, he wrote a couple of children's books, but he also writes a lot of blogs. He writes this, And so in Advent, a season of waiting for the light, often in places of darkness, we keep our eyes fixed on the hope we have in our hearts and tell stories which remind us of the flame which can never be extinguished. Why do we gather on Sundays? It's not to puff up our brains and our knowledge for Jesus. I mean, it could be. Um, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, staff and I, we took um, a, a min, uh, like, a, like a ministry gift assessment test. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Teacher was dead last. All right, so I'm just letting you know right now, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so some of you are like, man, his sermons are kind of weak. I like, I like, this explains a lot. Like, when I say last, I don't mean even, like, remotely close to, like, being in the middle. It was, like, dead last, okay? Um, but... <laughs> I, I'm up here, and I, and I share and I preach because one thing I will never stop preaching about is the hope of Jesus. Like, that's, that's one thing I will do. I'll tell the story of Jesus. I'll preach the hope. Yes, I have done, and I, I think I shared it with someone recently. Um, I'm also not the type to be like, oh, that's my weakness. I'm not going to work on it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I work tirelessly on it. <laughs> and then I also feel bad because I'm like, Man, this, I'm going to be honest, this is how far I've come, all right? Like, I have people, I pay people to review my sermons, okay? Like, that's, that's how far I have gone, okay? I'm trying to look for hope in hopeless places, okay? But yet, <laughs> yet, I don't get discouraged because I know that every time I come up here, I'm answering the call of God. I'm going to preach in the hope of Jesus. And the reason we gather here is not just to puff up our biblical knowledge brain. It's not to say that we've done our faithful responsibility of attending church. The reason the community and the body of Christ is so important is because in the midst of darkness, we tell stories of the hope of Jesus that encourages and continues to kindle the flame of hope in our lives. I don't know how we can go season. I mean, we felt it during the pandemic, not being able to gather in person together. I mean, we were packing out that coffee shop, literally people out to the hallway I was, I was outside for Sunday services because there was no room in the hallway. <laughs> because there was this eagerness of getting together, of corporately worshiping and singing and rekindling the hope of Jesus in our life. That's what this season's about. And this person writes it so perfectly. We tell stories which remind us of the flame which can never be extinguished. We meet together to tend to those flames of hope with one another. We don't just bring our best selves here. And I don't think... If you've been with us for a while, that's never the desire here. All right? Clean up, just clean yourself up at the door and come in. We say, come as you are, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, enter into this place. Because here, as we arrive, we arrive with the messiness of ourselves, the messiness of our lives, the darkness of our lives, and then we tell the story of the hope of the world, the joy of the world, Jesus Christ. That's why we meet, and that's why we gather. The goodness, of, the goodness and beauty becomes flesh for one another in this place. And here's the ultimate hope of Jesus Christ. That one day, we will not see by faith, but see by sight. We will see the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. We will see his face. We will see him in all his wonder. That is the hope that we have. And so if I can invite the communion ushers and the worship team to come up.
I just want us to, as this time of reflection, looking to 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9. And when we talk about hope in a dark world, and these early apostles, these early Christians, they, they lived it. The reason we have most of the New Testament is, is words of encouragement and faithfulness that as they're living in a dark world, they're continuing to be the light of Jesus Christ. I know sometimes the mentality and the desire is, let's just create this utopian you know, society that everyone lives and acts like Jesus. Cool. The only problem is every single one of us would ruin that. We could imagine that world, which is the kingdom of God. But that's not the call for us as the church. It's not to go escape into a place. Although retreats and times away are good. But here's a picture that in 1 Peter has drawn for us. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though for now a little, while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. I love that part. In all this, you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He recognized there's persecution, there's going to be deep suffering, there's going to be grief, there's going to be darkness. But in all those moments, it's a refining moment for us as Christians. That is, man, that is a scary, scary thing to think about. This person, this type of character, that through all the trial and grief, that what, what results in all that, is joy, what can ever crush that individual? What can ever crush a person that through every darkness they've experienced, every trauma they have gone through, that in their hearts and their lips is praise and joy? We can be persecuted, we can be crushed, but we won't be destroyed. The darkness will always exist, but darkness will never win. Because Jesus has already won that victory. There is darkness, but yet there is hope. Jesus is our healer. He is our deliverer. He is the one who holds all the weight and the power of this world. And he is the one that we're waiting for this Advent season. I mean, what a telling story. Jesus did not enter the world of trumpets and a parade and celebration he did not enter Manhattan during Christmas season of all the lights and festivities. He entered into the world during a time of genocide and darkness and said, I'll be the light for this broken world. And he wants to be the light of that world for you today.